Welcome to the Leading for Impact podcast, where we spotlight influential leaders in education. I am Jamie Galgana, specialist at the LA Unified Instructional Technology Initiative from the Division of Instruction, here with my co-host, Francisco Conche, bringing you the voice of leading experts and practitioners who are making a positive impact on teaching and learning in their communities for all learners and families. Today, we have leaders from Maywood Center for Enriched Studies, also known as MACES, joining us on the podcast. We will hear from Principal Mr. Gabriel Duran, who has been with ITI from the beginning when MACES first opened, Ms. Navarro, AP biology teacher, physiology teacher, and leadership advisor, and students Alanis Cruz, ASB digital citizenship champion, and Kimberly Sanchez, ASB social media manager. Join me in welcoming this amazing team, starting it off with Principal Duran. Thank you. Mr. Duran, thank you for once again opening your school's door to us. We've hosted many events here, so always appreciative that you're willing to allow us to share with the great things that are happening here at Mesa's. I'm curious, Mr. Duran, how did you start in education? So I started in education. I always wanted to be an educator. I taught middle school, and I was displaced, and I ended up in an elementary school, Carson at Carroldale Elementary, which is a span school. That was the first time that I was introduced to the idea that, you know, you didn't have all the little ones or the big ones all in one spot. You could have them both at both places. I was displaced and I came to Maywood. I thought it was going to be this incredible place that I was going to go to. I did not realize I was coming to a school that had almost 3,000 students in grades K through 5. I spent 15 years here, became a principal in another city, went to operations, and then came back. But more importantly, I think the thing that got me started in education was the idea that you could teach something to someone who did not know it that morning. And I always found that to be like, whoa, that's awesome. That's an awesome power to have. That is incredible. Mr. Dudan, tell me about your K-12 experience. How was it for Mr. Dudan growing up? Oh, well, so I grew up in Alameda, California, which is a naval base, and uh, I was the only Mexican student, the only Spanish-speaking student. My dad was a machinist for the Navy. And then when I was in sixth grade, we moved down to the Long Beach area because he started working for McDonnell Douglas on building the DC-10s. I went to Fleming Middle School, and it was the first time that I went to a school where there were other students who spoke Spanish, and I thought that was fascinating. And then I found out that there's two groups. There's the group that knew English, and then there were the group that was learning English. I didn't know the difference. I just found it fascinating that, you know, I could speak to someone in Spanish. And then I took my textbooks home. And they were in Spanish. And my dad goes, why are the books in Spanish? And I said, oh, because they speak Spanish in L.A. So that was my introduction to the fact that home language survey determined the classes you had. I didn't know that it made a difference until I was in ninth grade. And all of a sudden, I didn't have auto shop. I had American literature. So I'm a product of LAUSD via a community college, via the CSU system, via the UC system. So that was my experience. And also, I was an all-city runner. Hey. Look at that. I just wanted to yeah, my that. students don't believe me, but I, I have to show them the pictures mm-hmm. when I'm skinny. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a really cool K-12 experience. Are there any people who sort of influenced you throughout your educational career? Yes, it was Mr. Mocknick. Mr. Mocknick was my biology teacher. He was the first one that said, Duran, where are you going to go to college? And he was the first one that put that seed in, in my mind. And uh, it was always about 
where am I going to college? Where am I going to college? And that's who influenced me to run because he said, you know, there's scholarships out there for running. I didn't realize that you had to be a world-class miler to get that scholarship. That was the first time I learned that you can hold people accountable without demeaning or degrading because they're not performing like they should. Wow. Well, shout out to that teacher. Yes, I just saw him recently. He couldn't believe I was a principal. Really? Yes. He <laughs> said, you, a principal? And the answer is yes. Even B students and C students can become principal. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a great story. I know coming up next month will be Digital Citizenship Week. And from the beginning, you've been a champion of several impactful initiatives around ed tech, including the ISTE standards, digital citizenship, and computer science education. What is it about these areas of instruction that inspires you to be an advocate for these efforts for students, families, and educators? I think is the experience that I had in seeing that we have some good ideas. And I remember when the iPads were first introduced in LA Unified, certain schools were students were going to get iPads. And they were handed the iPads, and that was good for a week, two weeks, a month. And then after that is, what do we do with the iPads? It kind of reminded me when I was in elementary school and I was learning English, they used to have a machine, and the machine had all these cards, and it would be like, this is a house, this is a car, this is a tree. And so when I saw the iPads, I saw many of my elementary colleagues essentially create Hyper Studio cards, you know, which were like the modern-day PowerPoint, and it was just a picture and it was just an image. The students were not creating. They were not creators of the content. They were consumers. Right. And so I know that the power of technology, computer science, the digital citizenship, the ISTE standards call for the empowerment of students and the teacher understanding that you can use technology with a purpose if you know what standard it is that you're addressing. Right. So for that reason, I really believe that the more that we educate our students, our teachers, on the purpose of like the ISTE standards that call for so many wonderful things to happen in classrooms, then they will become the producers rather than just the consumers of a product. And Mr. Duran, as a leader, I, I see you completely get it, right? You have a vision. And that is one thing. Another aspect of that is how have you engaged education stakeholders in developing and adopting a shared vision for using technology to improve student success? Well, it first it starts with our mission and vision. So there's a mission and vision for the school. And then within that, there needs to be a mission and a vision for the use of technology at our school. So the only way you can do that is by connecting both of them. It is one road, one destination, centered around what we want as a school. And so if we're saying that we want them to be ready for the next century, I beg to differ. The century has been here for 22 years now. So my question really is, how do I prepare them for the workforce where they have something that they're looking forward to being a productive member of that workforce in a way that allows them to say, this is the talents that I bring to it. And for that to happen, it's about the mission and the vision. And so our stakeholders from the very beginning was, okay, what's our mission and vision as far as technology goes? And then bringing it to the students and saying, okay, now you are in charge of this mission and vision. So when you turn it over to the students, oftentimes they will find much more creative ways to teach others. So at our school, we have on our shield, it says Dissido Dissimus. Some say it's Densido Dissimus. It's a Latin for by teaching we learn. And so that Latin phrase alone, Dissido Dissimus, clearly tells our students what, that when you can teach somebody something, you have already learned it. Same thing with our teachers. So there's a difference between teaching and learning. 
We want them to teach so they can learn something. I know you've really created a culture here where those teachers and students are empowered with technology. Before we got started recording, you were sharing a little bit about how you've designed this system at the school with your visionary leadership to ensure that learning around ed tech is sustained, especially when you're bringing on new teachers. Can you share a little bit about that project that you've started here? Certainly. It started with Maria Camarena, with Agustine Sarmiento, with Diana Amador, with Cristina Vera. And these are- ISTE certified educators. All of them. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, it started with, you need some people that are going to help you carry the vision. And when I mean carry the vision, I'm talking about a teacher will listen to me, mm-hmm. but a teacher will value much more the practice of a teacher who's doing it. Mm-hmm. And when a, the teacher next door is ISTE certified, when the teacher next door is attending these workshops and they invite you, it's a lot better than an email invitation that I may send out. Right. So any educator that comes in to our campus, we have taken the LA Unified uh, Technology Division's vision of the workshops being modeled the same way that they do it. So it's a template that is designed for us to integrate where you go around and say, okay, what is the standard we're trying to address? Who's going to do the PD? How is the PD going to look? Running it through and then facilitating time for people to plan. Mm -hmm. That's the key. The vision has been carried out by people who are doing it, but then who say, now let me invite you to this next workshop where we are going to work on something. So our PDs are centered around that. We want you to think about something you're presently working in your class. Mm -hmm. So whatever you create today, you should be able to use tomorrow. And so based on the standards, based on whatever content you're utilizing right now, what is it that you're going to create? Mm -hmm. And when teachers walk away with the creation of something, much like students do, they own it. Yeah. And so for us, any new teacher, any new staff member that comes, we take them through half-day professional developments. We get one sub for half a day, which is mm-hmm. four and four hours. And we essentially take them through it from the foundation of what we've done to our mission and vision to how other colleagues are using it. By the time they come to the next meeting, they will bring something mm-hmm. that resulted. And that's where we share our struggles, our success. And then that's when you create the data bank of resources that are for others. I love it. That's great, Masood. And here I thought I knew you, but who knew you were, you know, an LUSD scholar, a runner. <laughs> you shared a bit from your past. We know about your present. Thinking a few years ahead, Mr. Udan, what future impact on education would you like to have? Is there anything that you're working on, any priorities, goals that you are setting? My goal right now is set the people that are going to come after me to take over. And we have them already. You mentioned the number of ISTE certified teachers, the micro-credentials that we're working with, the Verizon initiatives. It's always about really our teachers, but I'm more excited about what our students are bringing. Mm -hmm. So right now we have an incredible, incredible student at Stanford University who, because of our teacher's work, she's at Stanford now on a full scholarship in computer science. So I'm looking forward to what she's going to bring back in five years, and she's the alumni and is, we're talking about one of the best computer science programs in the country. So it's things like that that excite me. It's things that I will continue to support. But really, I think the foundation is there because it's all centered on, on a mission and a vision and on educators knowing that they have to stay on top of things through their certification, through their micro-credentials, through their different opportunities for training. Because the ones that benefit are the students when they come back, because they share that excitement, the kids get excited. So girls who code is a perfect example of young ladies on our campus who, they basically tell me what to do now because (laughs) they know more than I do because they're using and creating all the time. The next thing is how do we incorporate some of our visual performing arts into these areas? 
where they become, once again, the producers of that content. Mm -hmm. So as far as that goes, I say two more years and Mesa's will be ready for the next driver to drive the wheels on the bus. Two more years. <laughs> uh, I was selected as a con fellow, so that's Ooh, it's a commitment wow, for two more years. Yeah. Two more years, and then who knows what happens after two more years, right? Two more years, maybe I can come and become Ms. Navarro's assistant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who knows? You certainly invest a lot in your teachers and you empower them. And today with us is one of your teachers, Ms. Navarro. She's a strong advocate for digital citizenship. And before we start picking her brain, can you tell us a little bit about how other leaders like you can build teams and systems to implement, sustain, and continually improve the use of technology to support learning? I think the best way that you can think about it is you take a teacher like Ms. Navarro who doesn't require much other than the idea that here's an idea that I have. Can you look it over and can you give me some feedback? Mm -hmm. So when a teacher is that reflective, it is an easy task to do mm -hmm. because they're asking you about their practice. Whenever we visit a classroom, we're looking for the task, we're looking for the standard, and then the most important part of our observation is what's the actionable feedback, mm -hmm. which is the most difficult part. Right. And so when you have teachers like Ms. Navarro, that pretty much do everything down to it. It is always about where do I continue to develop this teacher's ability to reflect? Mm -hmm. Because you can't teach them anything because in many times they are already doing a lot more. She's the one class where I go to science and I say, if they had taught me science like this when I was in high school, yeah. I would have been an A student. So again, it's teachers who take the initiative to learn, to reflect, and to produce. Wow, well, thank you so much. And then also, welcome, Ms. Navarro. Thank you for joining us on the pod. Hi, Jamie. Thank you so much for having me. So I know that you work a lot with students, but even before we get started, maybe you could share with us a little bit about yourself and how you got started in education. Of course. My life has always revolved about education. I remember my parents bought me this huge whiteboard um, markers, and I would have my fake students. And my dad would walk by, and he would make fun of me because he's like, oh, you're teaching your students again? And I would be the student and be the teacher. I absolutely love the idea of coaching. So I don't think so much that I'm a teacher, but more of a coach. And I have the content, and I'm coaching the students as they're learning on their own path how to understand the content. That sounds like an enjoyable way to learn. <laughs> so what made you choose to pursue education? I know you said that was already something interesting that you wanted to do, but was there someone who kind of pushed you in that direction or an event? So after graduating from UC Santa Barbara, mm -hmm. I went into City Year. So it's an AmeriCorps program. I was at Clinton Middle School, and that was my first mm -hmm. taste of education. And I was able to compare how it was for me in the 90s, where we were reading things and answering questions, like Mr. Duran said, mm -hmm. and how it was changing with Common Core. So it was really Common Core that hooked me. And I was like, mm -hmm. oh, you mean you can do things differently? Mm -hmm. You can approach math in a different manner? Mm -hmm. And that's when I became really interested in actually pursuing education and I applied to UCLA. It was the only program I applied to, so I'm glad it worked out. <laughs> no Bruins. You kind of shared already how your teaching experience influenced you how to teach, right? But why do you do it? Why do you teach? Why do you coach? My parents were migrant workers. So I lived in Mexico six months and I lived in the United States six months. The one thing that grounded me was education, and it was very powerful, and I saw it as the key to graduating high school opened up new doors. And I went to community college, and after that, I went to UC Santa Barbara. I was able to experience things that my parents and my sisters and my family around me hadn't, and I was able to bring this back to my community. Um, so 
it really was a powerful tool that I wanted to share with students, that I really wanted to tap into. And I'm a really strong believer in the power of young people. I really think that they can change the world. They just need to be given the resources and the space to be able to continue working on their strengths. Well, I know one of the things that you do actively teach about is digital Mm -hmm. citizenship. You're a huge advocate for that. You've created several experiences for learners to make positive, socially responsible contributions and exhibit empathetic behavior online, while also building relationships and community. Can you tell us more about how you do that with your students? Of course. This is integrated into my curriculum. So as a science teacher, I make sure that we discuss how to act in different digital spaces because Mm -hmm. we do, right? We utilize iPads. We utilize different types of apps. And this year, I'm really trying to integrate physical computing because Mm -hmm. I want the kids to understand that computer science is not something separate. It's not a different topic, right? right? It really is marinating with anything that you end up doing as your career. Mm -hmm. We talk about the different ways to respond and exist in these digital spaces. Now, as the leadership advisor, I have to think of the whole school and the implications in the school community. So for that, I really can't take credit other than giving the students the space and coaching them again through Mm -hmm. that. Um, And also with the help of people like Dr. Corpus, that has been a huge impact on the kids by creating a digital citizenship position in leadership. So again, really integrating it into everything we do because technology, social media Mm -hmm. is there. It's not going anywhere. We can't ignore it. And saying, no, you can't do this, you can't do that is not really empowering the students, Mm -hmm. but giving them space to say, this is how we can leverage technology. This is how we can use it to make our voices more powerful. Given, Ms. Navarro, that you are the leadership advisor, a coach, science teacher, a mentor to your students here, obviously highly regarded by your principal, we at ITI are a fan of yours. What three words describe your impact on education? I would say empowering students and student-centered. It has to be student-centered. Mm-hmm. Well, empowering students is always important, and I'm glad that that's part of the three ways that you like to make an impact on education. Are you looking for professional learning around digital citizenship, computer science, or 21st Century Learning Foundations? Check out ITI's full suite of professional learning at achieve.lausd.net forward slash ITI and be sure to register on MyPLN. So for those listening and gaining insight and inspiration, what is something that leaders can do today in their current role to make an impact in the way that you have? Listen to the students. Mm -hmm. I started when I didn't know what direction to take, I would give them surveys. What, like, what is going on? What have you heard? Do you use social media? Mm -hmm. Is this relevant? So listen to their voices, give Mm -hmm. them choices, Mm -hmm. model for them, and then try new things. Don't be scared. I take so much inspiration from teachers on Twitter, Uh my teachers next door. Again, like we have Ms. Camarena, we're super lucky to have her. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I'll be like, Ms. Camarena, I saw this on Twitter. I don't know about 3D printing. Can we make it happen? And she's like, you know what? Yes, we can. Or I don't know, but let me figure it out. Mm -hmm. So collaborate and try new things. And if it fails, the worst thing that can happen is you say, well, how can we as a class think of making this an improvement? What can we do differently? Right. So sort of building in what Principal Duran was saying about being a reflective Mm -hmm. teacher. 
So it looks like you brought along two of your student leaders today Yay. who are leading digital citizenship efforts. And for those listening, you all know that we haven't had student voices on the pod yet. So this is definitely a first. But yeah, who did you bring along with you? I have Kimberly Sanchez and Alanis Cruz. Welcome, Kimberly. Welcome, Alanis. Hi. Hi, Kimberly and Alanis. So share a little bit about yourselves. Tell us who you are. Hello, my name is Kimberly Sanchez. Here at Mesa's, I am the ASB social media manager. I'm a current senior. Social media manager, what does that mean? <laughs> I run both the Mesa's and the Mesa's leadership accounts. Sometimes it's scary. It's like, oh, what do I do with all this? But it's mm -hmm. nice to know that a student has like control over it too, mm -hmm. because then I know it's student-centered and anything that gets posted is for the students and the community. So it's nice to know that a student voice is also important for our school and our social media and information for the people. Uh -huh. Were you an active social media user before yes. this role? Especially during the pandemic. Uh -huh. For me, it was something that I used often because we weren't here on campus. That was the only way I could get, oh, what schedule do we have for this day? Or what am I supposed to do? Mm -hmm. Or if I needed help, it was easier for me to contact people through social media. Mm -hmm. Or even my teachers, they would make student-friendly accounts so that we can reach out to them and make it easier for us to be able to communicate, especially during a pandemic when we were all in lockdown. And Mr. Duran and Ms. Alvaro, how does it feel to know that one of your students leads social media accounts for the school? Well, first of all, it's it's wonderful because I get the criticism all the time. <laughs> uh, uh, students will say, oh, you posted. That was boring, mister. Let the students keep posting so they can tell the difference between my post and the student post. The student post seems to have the little bells and whistles and little key points. I tend to just post something because we have a meeting. And so you can tell the quality. The quality is a lot more creative. It resonates. It speaks to them where I tend to want to speak to my audience, which is my teachers and my parents. They're speaking to their classmates. So that is powerful. The beauty of it all is how responsible they are about it and understanding what should be and shouldn't be posted. Mm -hmm. And you both kind of provide that guidance for them and some frameworks that they could build off of. Yes, I think the, the key has been for anybody who's listening, if you can turn this responsibility over to your associate student body and have them create what Ms. Navarro has created, which is subcommittees that deal with digital citizenship, that deal with the social media manager, and really say you're in charge, mm -hmm. trust me, the students will not let you down because they're trying to show you how responsible they are. And our campus, we have one-third of our students are middle schoolers, and we realize, wait a second, where's the voice of the middle schoolers? Mm -hmm. So this year, leadership has a high school one and a middle school just for that purpose. And so there along comes the idea. Middle schoolers are going to want to see different posts in relation to their events, their activities. And so Ms. Navarro, being the foresight leader that she is, is using that platform to say, look, you can create, you can promote. And so it saves me a lot of money in posters around the campus, <laughs> and it gets the word out. Right. Alanis, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, my name is Alanis Cruz. I'm a 12th grader here at Mesa's. My role in ASB is that I am the digital citizenship champion. And as the ASB digital champion, my goal is just to promote digital citizenship by teaching and encouraging others to learn how to use digital tools and technology in a way that they can use that knowledge to do something impactful on their own and to help our community. So as DigSet leaders, both of you, obviously, you have a key role uh, here at your school. How does it feel to have that role? I love it. 
I find it really nice to have that freedom to be able to speak out for what I want to see at Macy's, what I think would be best for the student body. My ideas are heard. My opinions are heard. When I work together with my committee or when I work together with the board or with Ms. Navarro or sometimes with other clubs that I'm in, I always feel like I'm heard and that makes it really fun and it lets me stem into what I want to do and go into depth as to like what my goals are and how to reach them. Mm -hmm. I have a question for both of you. How do your peers see you in this kind of leadership position? Do they take you seriously? Do they learn a lot about how to be a good digital citizen from you? As for me, a lot of people know that I run the social media accounts. Mm -hmm. So they usually come up to me and when they see something they don't like, they come and tell me. Yeah. And that way, for the next post, I consider what they tell me. I appreciate that a lot because I know that it's for my student body and mm -hmm. for my peers and my classmates. And that I know that this job isn't just for me, but it's for my peers and my school community, mm -hmm. not only for the students here at Mesa's, but the parents. So I think they don't see me differently, mm -hmm. but I feel they're more comfortable to come up to me if compared to if it were Mr. Duran or Mr. Marquez who run the social media accounts. Uh -huh. And if they have any suggestions, they always come up and they're not scared to tell me what right. they need to see differently or what they want. That's and cool. I think that's something that I really enjoy as my job as ASB social media manager. And it seems like you're pretty responsive to it. So you're <laughs> always learning and getting better at it. I think one of the things that's powerful is there are many Mesa's accounts. Uh -huh. You know, there's Mesa's volleyball, Mesa's soccer, mm -hmm. Mesa's girls who code. And the thing about it is they all follow pretty much the same expectations. Uh -huh. and, and that is celebration yes. of things that are happening within their organization or their club. But more importantly, I think the one part that I see that is powerful is the fact that when we do Digital Citizenship Week, it is not just that one week, mm -hmm. it is ongoing. The district has a, a acceptor user policy. Every student has to sign it. Yes. Everyone, and they know what the consequences are if you violate that. Mm -hmm. And it clearly is, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Mm -hmm. Where when they, our students do digital citizenship, it's more about this is the reason why. Mm -hmm. Because as citizens of this world, as citizens of this community, as citizens of this school, this is how we behave. Yeah. And so when the students are saying that rather than an adult, mm -hmm. it makes it more meaningful and more applicable. Right. And they're sort of flipping that narrative, right? What you can do and they're being models of that for others so they can learn from that as well. My next question for you both is really why is digital citizenship important to you and for your teachers to teach? So for me, for us, it's really important for students to learn about digital citizenship because of how the world is evolving. The world is changing and now we rely on technology and social media in our everyday lives. Mm -hmm. um, we understand that when not used properly, technology and social media may be harmful. But here at Mesa's, we heavily encourage, teach and model the potential that social media and technology has to create a positive impact in our community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Adding on to what Kimberly said, because we want to encourage and teach this, it's the reason why we added a committee that's dedicated to digital citizenship, why we added a position dedicated to digital citizenship, because we want to make sure that it is not just celebrated or confined to that one week that's dedicated to digital. We want it to be known year round. So it really gets into the students' minds and they understand and begin to adopt the five competencies of digital citizenship in their daily lives that they get to the point where they're doing it mm -hmm. without even realizing. Yeah. But that's the goal. Mr. Duran is silently clapping over here, but yes, <laughs> it is clear that you both 
understand that digital citizenship means you are inclusive, informed, engaged, balanced, and alert while engaging with others online, you know, as either with your committee or hosting and managing all the social media accounts for the school. But can you describe a time when you had to practice one of these digital citizenship competencies? For me, one of the main reasons I ran for this position is because I know that our school is a middle school and a high school. And I saw a lack of inclusivity among our middle schoolers when it came to being informed on school events. Mm -hmm. Many of them don't have cell phones or don't have social media because they're not at the age yet. A lot of the things that get posted usually gets posted on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So then they would be asking us the following day, like if we had spirit days, they would be like, oh, why are we dressed up today? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? So I thought it was something important that we need to consider especially as a middle school and a high school, that everything that gets posted on Instagram should also be posted on our Schoology pages to make sure that our middle schoolers are also aware of the spirit days or the things that are going on at Mesa's because it's not just high schoolers. We also have to make sure that the middle schoolers are heard. Mm -hmm. So now with Alanis, we work together and we make Instagram posts for the high schoolers because that's our target audience on social media. But we also make sure that everything gets posted on Schoology so that they don't miss out on any information or opportunities here at Mesa's. Do you want to add on to anything, Alanis? Yes, so I think, well, um, Kimberly did a great job at showing one very specific example. I feel like we ourselves practice those five competencies daily. We want students to adopt those competencies. And I feel like without even being aware, we do so. So like one of the big ones is social media. Outside of school, I am on it a lot for communication. It's one of my main resources to go to. And I have my posts and I know how to be safe. I practice the alert aspect and keep my personal life safe from my social media life. When we're at school, we also use technology a lot. We're making a podcast or we're making slideshows and we're using digital tools. I think that we are always practicing one or more of the five competencies. One of the big ones is informed. We always have to make sure that what we're getting on the internet, what we're seeing on social media, or what we're using for our essays or for our reports or or, um, presentations, that that's reliable. So I think that it's used constantly that we just normalize it at this point. And I think, Jamie, one of the things that they're leaving out is the ongoing teaching that they do with our sixth graders. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that are responsible for bringing in our sixth grades. They go in there and they speak to the students. Mm-hmm. And those are our little 11-year-olds about to turn 12. Mm-hmm. So when a student in their school who's a high schooler comes in and tells them about this, they bring it to life in ways when I see their presentation, I go, why didn't I think of that? And the reason why I don't think like that is because I'm not thinking like a student. Mm-hmm. And so that's the point that is so powerful, that that voice of someone who has that wisdom of a 16, 17-year-old, and they bring the credibility because they have the same uh, uniform as they do, and they just happen to be on the second and third floor rather than the first floor where our little sixth graders are. Well, I was wondering if you had anything special planned for the upcoming Digital Citizenship Week. Yes. First would be the homeroom kickoff where we would give them pins and stickers and then have these Nearpods that students can learn about, as well as two students from our committee kind of running it and encouraging it. Then Tuesday, we're going to have poster contests for middle school and high school. So we're working with the middle school leadership and ASV, and they have their own poster contest that they're running, PSA, actually. And then we're having our own separate, so two different topics, but both related to digital citizenship. Mm -hmm. 
Thursday, we wanted to have a lunch celebration. So we're making this huge pledge poster where students can write their name, pledge to be a good digital citizen with their five competencies that they pledge to follow. They sign, they put it on the wall. And overall, just to acknowledge and making sure that students know what's going on. And then for Friday, we want to have an NPR celebration where we have not only a presentation to inform students about digital but also like games and fun events that students can play. And those events will incorporate what we're teaching for digital citizenship. So there's different ways to making it something fun and um, inclusive for everybody. They will be more into it and they'll be able to grasp that information better. Well, it seems like Digital Citizenship Week will be popping here at Mesa's. I will follow all the hashtags and all the social media from Mesa's. Kimberly and Alani, what advice do you have for other teacher leaders looking to inspire their students to be proactive digital citizens? Ms. Navarro and Mr. Duran have been a big support for us. Ms. Navarro has been a big advocate to make our voices matter, that whatever we plan is coming from us and from our hearts and something that we want to do. And she just wants the best for us. And anything that we plan, she tries to make it happen, as well as Mr. Duran. I think that what they should get here is give students a chance to grow, because if you put trust in the students and if you put faith and you have that support for them, they'll feel comfortable enough to want to do more and get involved. For example, Mr. Duran never shut down any of our ideas. Ms. Navarro is always encouraging us, like, speak out, say what it is. Because of Ms. Navarro, I applied for the ASB position, so she helped me get that chance to speak up. I think that is the key to helping these students just feel comfortable also in their school. Well, Alanis and Kimberly, I'm sure you are already a model for others. And so thank you for sharing what other educators could do, really giving students a chance to grow, having faith in their students, trusting that they have good ideas and helping those good ideas come into fruition and really helping you all find and amplify your voice. Thank you so much to Principal Duran, Ms. Novato, Alanis, and Kimberly. We are so excited to see what's to come with Digital Citizenship Week. And thank you for being on the pod. Yes, certainly. We're very proud to be have been invited to this. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I just want to say that ITI has been a huge support and to lean into, to explore and learn. And I definitely would not be the teacher that I am without all the amazing PD and Ms. Camarena and everybody that has come before me. We appreciate you. Yes, thank you. This wraps up episode 10 with the Maywood Center for Enriched Studies leaders. Thank you all for tuning in and we'll see you on the next episode of the Leading for Impact podcast brought to you by LA Unified Division of Instruction, Instructional Technology Team 2022.